Testing one, two. Welcome to episode 13 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. And this is a place for us to talk about the music we love. Every month we get together, talk about the latest news and alternative music, share our thoughts on the newest releases, and discuss a few different topics in the world of heavy music. Today, we'll be reviewing new singles from The Wonder Years and Knucklebuck, as well as a brand new EP from both The Amity Affliction and Vended, and of Mice and Men's album Echo. And we'll be going through our own Spotify wrapped and seeing what guilty pleasures we've been hiding from each other. But first, the news. Tools Danny Carey has been arrested over the weekend for assault. Um, after getting into an altercation at Kansas City Airport. He was arrested for a misdemeanor assault. Um, He got up in an employee's face and has been fined $13,900. Not long after the initial report, TMZ published a video of Kerry repeatedly using a homophobic slur while engaged in the altercation. Um, A police report was later sent to the prosecutor and he's since been released on bond. But not a good look, is it? I mean, I never liked Tool, but even less now. At least they've done something exciting for once. <laughs> <laughs> and he's behaved like a tool, so living up to the name. Come on. Thanks. Uh, Turnstar appeared on late night TV with Seth Meyers. Um, it's a late night talk show in the US, and they play their songs Mystery and TLC. I think it's just mad for a band like this to be featured on like mainstream American media. Uh, it's going to do so much for the rest of the scene. I think... Um, Hate Five Six already tweeted like his YouTube stats for their record release show of like are already on the up. So yeah, just very cool. And lastly, the highest grossing tours of twenty twenty one based on ticket sales. Do you want to hear some stats? Hit me. I filtered out some of the pop and uh, shit. The shit, yeah. So I'll go from a uh, lowest up to highest of just some of the ones I picked out. Slipknot twelve million dollars. Kiss, $16 million. Guns N' Roses, 47 mil. Uh, the Hella Megator, 67. And the Rolling Stones, 115 million. Those old fellas are still raking it in, aren't they? Madness. And I don't even think they did that many dates as well. No. So. Insane. Wow. There comes a point where you just think about retiring, surely. Do they need the money? Not really. I mean, maybe they love what they do. That's it. And like, yeah. It's a nice part of it still, that you can reach that point in your careers where they've been going this long. And... Yes, they're making good money, but they've got to surely enjoy it. I think there are just so many substances going through Mick Jagger's veins that if he stops for half a second, he'll, he'll, he'll hurt numb. Yeah. <laughs> I must keep going. <laughs> and that's the news, short and sweet. As it's Christmas, guys, I thought we should have a little guest on. Come on in. Aye! It's fucking young blood. <laughs> if you're coming to one of my shows, don't be taking the piss, alright? <laughs> See you later. There's another guest coming as well now. Oh, um, who's this? Oh, shit. He's got props and everything. Oh. Hi, buddy, ho. <laughs> Dan Claus is here. Oh, my oh, God. God. Uh, it's not only, not only is it Christmas, we've been doing this podcast a year now, and it's been good fun. And I'm not Quinn. <laughs> He's reaching into his uh, bag. Into his sack. Into his sack, yep. Not that one, that's not for you. <laughs> so, so many presents in your so, sack, Santa. Danta. Oh, it's, so it's, Danta. It's, it's Danta. Yeah, Danta, get it right. Come on. Sorry, sorry. Um, 
Yeah, I appreciate all the work you guys have done on it with me. And I've got you guys a little something. Oh, wow. Opening presents live on air. This is great for an audio podcast. This is very good for... Listen, listen to the rapping. I'm going to take this off now because I'm really muffled. <laughs> what have we got? Let's see. Oh, no way. Oh, you're kidding. Ah! Ragamuffin t-shirts. He's, oh, that's sick. He's going to... Re- oh, oh. oh, my <laughs> word. Christmas jumpers coming off. To oh, reveal. shit. Oh, this is incredible. Yes. Wee. This is fucking incredible. That's so mad. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, oh, and to us. Oh, lovely. That is absolutely amazing. Oh, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> You're welcome, right. boys. I yes. I wanted to get that done early on in the podcast because I was sweating in that jumper. <laughs> oh, oh, so sweet. We, we will post photo here as this is all happening. You'll be seeing what these beautiful t-shirts look like. Lovely. And what my stupid hat looked like as well. Yes. yes. Oh, and in the last bit of news, we have all become dads today. We have a, a new mascot. His name's Pablo. There'll be an image on screen for the YouTube viewers to see. And he's our lovely little cat. So everyone in the comments say hello to Pablo. Should we look at our recommendations from last time then? We can look at our recommendations, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm throwing oh. the whole thing off now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Silly, goofy mood today. This is great. Jay, what did you recommend last month? So I recommended Blood Youth, Visions of Another Hell. New metal as well, are truly alive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some sick guitar tones and riffage. Great breakdowns, but also the atmospheric and, and melodic parts are sweet as well. Some new, huge choruses, um, such as one on Iron Lung and Body of Wire. Um, it's just a shame that Kai is no longer their vocalist, because I think this is a career-defining performance from him. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, definitely agree. Ali? That was the exact same sentiment I had. It was just... Yeah, just I was actually quite sad listening to it, knowing that that was his last one. But what a way to go out. Um, yeah, I think it felt like they found a bit of an identity on this one. Because um, I've enjoyed Blood Youth in the past, but it's never felt that distinguishable from other bands in the scene. But this one, to me, felt like they took all of their influences and channeled it into something that was new. It's like they found their sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, the singles all bang hard, um, which we've spoken about before. But uh, Something to Numb the Pain stood out for me the most, I think, as an album track. And, uh, yeah, just really enjoyed it. So it was great. Uh, I recommended, well, me and Dan both sort of recommended Glow On by Turnstile. What do you guys? I think we all want to talk about this. So. Yeah. Um, this was my first kind of venture into Turnstile properly, uh, knowing that we're going to go and see the trees next year and then also Outbreak. I definitely wanted to delve into this a bit. It was just a fun album all the way through. And something I want to spend more time now going into their discography. Don't play was my favourite. Um, the drum work in particular was just so much fun. And I just found it really just thoroughly enjoyable. It was just a good listen from start to finish. So, yeah, big ups. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, I think hardcore has no right being this fun and catchy. Um, and that every every single song is just a banger. Yeah. There's such a fun album. I think one day it's going to be looked back on as like an iconic one. You you guys both said it, but fun was just all the way through. Like, it just felt quite liberated as well. Like the the fusion of genres beyond hardcore that they incorporated was incredible, and every song had its own like unique thing, but it never distracted from the overall vibe of the album. Like it was consistent 
while still exploring like new things. But the thing that got me into them was like was watching the Hate Five Six album release show. But like seeing it live, you can it's so seamless. They go from like a crowd killing riff to like an anthemic sing along moment so easily, and it, and it doesn't feel out of place or anything. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see them next year. It's going to be very very fun. Dan, what did you recommend? I recommended Horizons East by Thrice. I think this is your guys' first venture into the Thrice universe. It, it is. was. I had it on in the background quite a few times. Um, it was just like some very kind of chill rock and just really easy listening, relaxing, consistent. The album flowed from song to song just seamlessly. And I'm starting to see, I think, why there are so many bands in particular that we currently listen to that reference them as their artists, like you kind of mentioned beforehand, like they mm-hmm. enjoy listening to them. So I think, like, again, we're seeing them trees next year. Correct. So like, another band to start delving into more. Um, yeah, really, really appealed and really, really easy to digest, which was just pleasant, I think. Yeah, I think it was the same as when you recommended Crooks in the previous episode. I just found it so easy to get through the whole thing without, like, feeling bored or checking my phone or feeling like there was a filler song. Like, I just sort of vibed all the way through. The thing I liked the most was the layering on the vocals. It sort of mm-hmm. conjured up to me, like, if Bon Iver did rock music, it's what it would sound yeah, like. Can, which is yeah, sort of a bit of a that. niche reference, but, yeah, I just really liked it. The layering especially was great, and, yeah, easy to listen to. I think what I like the most about Thrice is they've kind of come from that era of early noughties emo, where they could have easily just shaped their whole career around that sound. But with every album, they seem to just try something different and something new. Like, there's so many parts on this album in particular that kind of... Like on some albums you look for like a breakdown or or something like that as like your highlight of the album or something to grab your attention. But yeah. on this they're just trying so many different um songwriting techniques and different sounds and things like that that it just keeps things interesting. And every single Thrice album just has something a little bit different about it. And that's good to have that like expansive career and still keep things fresh. And they're obviously still doing something right as well by then headlining festivals next year. So off the back of this, that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I mean, after I've said they don't play into their old emo sound, they are doing a, a Vesu set, which yeah. is from their old albums. Okay. But, but still, to to still release an album like this, which is still in a lot of people's album of the year list, yeah, is really commendable. I think I like as well, like you said, with exploring new songwriting techniques. A lot of bands will try and write a song building up to like one moment, whether it's like the breakdown or the big last chorus. Whereas it felt like they were attentive to like every part of the song mm. rather than just trying to get to this one cool riff. It was like every idea has been explored and yeah, very good. Happy days. Let's look at the latest releases then. Let's start with a sad little Christmas tune, Threadbare by The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years! The Wonder, the wonder Years! years. <laughs> Do you want to go first, Dan? Yeah, I'll kick things off. Um, I love this song. It's a lovely little comforting... It's like a little blanket being thrown over you in the in the cold winter. Um, the storytelling on it makes it feel like a more like an Aaron West song to me than a traditional The Wonder Years song. But it's still great. I'm always happy for bands to go in a new direction. Um, it seems to revolve around themes of nostalgia and a feeling that although it's kind of been a tough year, that it's going to be all right because you're going home or to somewhere comfortable for Christmas. Yeah, I liked it. I think the thing about Soupy is like his writing and delivery 
is so strong. And he's like the ability to make the lyrics personal, but still as a listener you can draw something out of it. Like even though his like nostalgic references are quite specific, you can sort of make them your own and like yeah. think about how it relates to like your own life. So yeah, just great. And um yeah, I need to listen to this band more. I feel like the by listening to Spanish love songs first is like hearing the influences is so clear now. Um so it's yeah, I just love it. It was great. It's funny you say that because the vocal straight away reminded me of Spanish love songs as well. Like the emotion and the delivery in that. It just feels like it just shines through in that vocal performance. Instrumental is just nice and consistent throughout and just a nice chill back track. Just really enjoyed it, yeah. Knuckle Puck released Levitate, and I did not have this on my 2021 bingo card. But I'm happy about it. A uh, nice throwback sort of style. What do you guys think? I love the fast-paced and energetic pop-punk feeling coming back, because I feel we haven't heard anything like this in a while, because some of the pop-punk bands seem to delve much more into the pop side nowadays, and you don't get the punkish side coming through, and it's getting lost slightly. And I think this is like one of those bands saying no we still have that edge slightly i think the production's fantastic the drum kit sounds nice and full the open hi-hats and the snare sound gorgeous and i don't know i think they've been a band that i've always listened to in passing and i need to spend more time with them i think now after this for me after feeling that feeling like their recent album was lacking something um i have to say this is much more like it for me um it's punchy, it's fast, and sonically it seems like it fits somewhere between Copacetic and Shapeshifter on their album cycles. Yeah, which is a great spot to be in. Which is absolutely perfect. I think it's got that balance between the two, so yeah. I'd love to hear more like this from them, I think. I was feeling the same, because their most recent album, 2020 I think it was called? Yeah. Just sort of passed me by. Like I think I gave it a few listens, but it didn't really have any impact on me. But this was like... The energy of like the old stuff, but felt more like directed and focused. Um, and I thought the lyrics were great as well, uh, especially the like the line in the chorus. They used to be demons hanging over me, but now they can't touch me. Just especially considering what the past two years have been, feels like a good sort of I don't know sort of lyric to keep in your head, like moving forward. So yeah, I like it. Good track. Uh, the Amity Affliction released Somewhere Beyond the Blue, a nice little three-track EP. What do you guys think of it? Um, well, they're using that Amity songwriting formula again, aren't they? And why wouldn't you? It seems to work for them. Um, like Love has a big, catchy chorus um, with some good heavier parts too. And I really like the little orchestral parts was the end as well. Um, Death is All Around seems a little heavier than necessary at the start as the piano seems to kind of get drowned out by everything else. Um, and overall, um, overall, it was a bit less enjoyable to me. Although the blare before the breakdown was very good, um, and then give up the ghost we already reviewed, and we liked that one. We did like that one very much, Jay. I disagree with Death is All Around. That was my favourite on the EP, but that was probably because I tend towards that heavier side. And I also have a note that literally says it has a wonderful blare. So I very much agree and echo that. Oh, what a wonderful blare! What a wonderful blare! Um, it's the most wonderful time for a blare. <laughs> We're feeling very festive today. Um, the screen vocals just sound incredible. Instrumentals are well written on it. And I think the heavy section is fantastic towards the end. But I wish it had ended the song there. Because I think I've come to a revelation. Um, I think one of the things that's kept me from listening to Amity Affliction 
and it's probably going to be quite controversial. I'm not a massive fan of the clean vocals. The style of the delivery on it, it doesn't appeal as much to me. Instrumentally, fantastic. Screen vocals, fantastic. Something on the clean vocals kind of pulls me away from it ever so slightly. And I think it's just by instinct of how I've listened to it. Or I don't know, to be fair, but... I'm with you on that for Death Is All Around. The cleans in the chorus felt a little bit like a completely different song. Mm. Like the verses were great, the heavy parts there were good, but then going back to a chorus, it felt like, although it is a, a break, I guess, from the verse, it was sort of underwhelming compared to the rest. Mm. But I think this is. But, but the other songs, the formula works just yeah. perfectly every time. I feel like this is a continuing issue for me, though, with Amity, of why I think I've struggled to get into them as much. Well. I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I disagree. <laughs> you probably will do it. But like overall, for the rest of it, I love the EP and I think it was fantastic yeah. and it was nice, solid three songs I really enjoyed. But I think that's the one like niggle I've got that won't allow me to fully be able to get into this band, I think. But I think that's what's made them stand out over the years because they've yeah. got some iconic choruses because of his delivery. I've literally got Drag the Lake in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, I like this whole EP. I think as... Uh, someone who's been a fan for like a long time they had like some very quiet electronic and ambient stuff going on way way back and it's sort of phased out of their sound for a few albums so it's cool to hear it back in again like the use of keyboards and pianos and synths and stuff so yeah it felt a bit throwback at times especially with death is all around being a bit of a beast so yeah it's good i feel like this compared to of my with of mice and men not compared to sorry sort of feels like two bands that were sort of like elder statesmen of the metalcore scene sort of just remarking their territory a little bit just saying that they're still around and still strong so i like the holy p i thought it was great vended released what is it kill it five track ep it's very cool i think there are very obvious slipknot connections and influences but like duh obviously but i think so many people are going to be putting pressure on them because of that, because of who their parents are. I think you just strip that away. It's fun, aggressive and unrelenting. I think what more could you want from a band like this, with their first release? You can definitely hear the comparisons. It's very obvious. And beyond them just being the sons, you have very distinct like use of samples as well. So you, you can draw that very, very sonically. But the rawness of it, it smacks you in the face right away. There's riffs that you would not hear in Slipknot. Like the main riff in my wrongs is so, so sick. And I absolutely love that. And when they start with antibody, it just smacks you in the face right from the beginning and it, it gets your attention. And I'm excited to see what they do next. I love his vocal sound, to be honest. It was refreshing to me that you hear so many metal bands nowadays also that have screen vocals and sung vocals. And it gets not formulaic, but it's very similar. You always have that kind of dynamic. and. For me, it's a bit more refreshing again to have a band that's just all screams. Or then you get some metal bands that are just all singing. It just breaks away ever so slightly from just that, okay, we're going to have scream verses, we're going to have some choruses. And so having these constant screams throughout the five tracks was actually something quite refreshing for me. So, Yeah, because yeah. he even does that sort of Corey Taylor style, like tortured singing, where it's not pure cleans. It's yeah. like like the chorus like of Antibody. At the back here. of the throat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There's like there's guttural still to it, and it's it's really heavy and nice and gritty. I think it's crazy how much he sounds like his dad. Oh yeah, like you could you could play, and it's not just the vocals as well. Some of the like the raw sound of the drums, for example, 
and like James says, some of the samples, you, you could play one of these songs to me and tell me it's Slipknot, and I'd believe you. I'd believe that it's a new Slipknot song. Well, that's but, a good compliment. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely a compliment. But, you know, they're, they're still a young band. They're still figuring things out and finding their own sound. And I know they'll kill it. It's going to be fun to see them. I feel like them and sort of Tala are going to sort of be on similar sort of paths for the next few years. Well, they did the show together in yeah. Iowa recently. And that's now like, if they came over and they toured together, that would be such a fun one to go to. Because two young bands coming up, both fairly similar in the genre with what they're doing. And I think it would just be hella, hella exciting to go and see them. So yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what they do next. Static Dress released Prologue uh, with an accompanying comic book. What do you guys think of this? I had a problem straight from the start. And I think it's a similar problem to you in particular, Alex, that I looked at the nine songs and there are essentially only three songs on here. Uh, being Disposable Care, Say Brexit and Vague. And the rest are kind of just fillers that may be a little bit less interested in listening to like the whole thing together. And those three songs were great. I really enjoyed them. And after only getting to hear them this year, I'm I'm enjoying the music. I'm hearing that's proper. But it was so much... James doesn't like an interlude. I don't like interludes. Not necessarily. They've got to be the right kind of interlude. But it just felt so filler that two-thirds of this was not actually songs. And it just felt a little bit pointless to me in why they released it. Why not just do a three-track EP? And I get... They're linked with the comic book, but in terms of, I guess, from a listening side trying to get into it, I struggled. Well, I really liked it. <laughs> um, we were speculating before this as to whether Static Dress would release an EP or, or full length or anything soon. And I don't think any of us predicted a comic book soundtrack. So, fair play. That's yeah. that's something unique and different. Um, similar in ways, I guess, to what Not Loose have done with their little soundtrack as well. Um, but yeah, I'd, even though it is in the end, only really three songs. I really enjoyed it. Um, Disposable Care sums up the whole thing perfectly, I think, with kind of the distorted chaos, with moments of melodic beauty carefully sewn in as well. Um, and the ending kind of seems to set up for a sequel, perhaps. Yeah. Just don't, don't get me wrong, though. I did love it. For the three songs that were on there, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Those three songs were cool. And the, whatever you want to call them, transitions or interludes or whatever, they did make it feel immersive, but it's interesting you bring up the Not Loose one because I think you can listen to the Not Loose EP without watching the short film and still get what's going on. But I did feel a bit lost with this one, and um, yeah, I mean like the crying and stuff and mm. like the screams were a bit random, I guess. Because the no, vocalist, no the vocalist Ollie tweeted, "If you look at Prologue as nine songs without reading the comic, you've completely missed the point." Yeah, James. But the comic is sold out online, and it's... I missed well, the point, though. They only made 100 copies, I think, didn't they? So, so, they, so only 100 that, people are Yeah, so only 100 people it. get the full experience. Is that not a bit stupid? Which is nice in terms of exclus oh, exclusivity, I guess. Yeah, but, but then, you know, I feel like people like if, us who weren't yeah, in if, that first 100 to order If it. that makes it part of the art, then you should kind of make it available to as many people as you can, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I sort of thought that there should be, like, just a even if it's just a PDF online that you can just see and mm. skim through just to get. Because, yeah, there are just a few of the interludes I was like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> it's cool, and I like the sort of, just the vibe they created, but I was just a bit... I'm sure if listening to it with the comic book, I'd probably find a much better experience, but then if you've got that and it's 100 copies sold out, yeah. it still leaves me thinking, like, a little bit empty from that, I think, but... Because my first experience of the Not Loose one was watching it with the short film. So, whereas with this, I've now got a, if I connect, if we can get our hands on the comic book, 
we've got to sort of retroactively understand. Do you know what I mean? Work your way back. Yeah. But good songs. But good yes, songs. great yes. though. Loved it. And I've loved every single they did before this, like all those collections of songs. They're going, to, they're going to be ones to watch next year, I think. Wherever yeah. they release next, wherever tours they're doing. Eyes on them. And lastly, of Mice and Men released Echo slash Ad Infinitum. Should we talk about the three the new songs first as an EP and then we'll get to Echo as a whole? Yeah. Um, we talked about Mosaic when it came out and it's just, it's sick. Um, I feel like Fighting Gravity allowed space for Aaron's cleans to shine and then Echo is just like this, it was like sombre strong as well if that makes yeah. sense i really like these songs and then helplessly hoping to me felt like the thing that wrapped the eps together it felt like an album closer yeah right? like if if they hadn't have done this as an album and it was just these four i'd have felt maybe like hope helplessly hoping was a bit sort of tacked on mm-hmm. but when you listen to it all the way through from with all the eps it, it, yeah felt like a sort of bow on the end of things. My pretty much echo the same. Um, hey, echo. Hey. <laughs> uh, out of all the new songs that weren't on the previous EPs, Mosaic and Echo were my favourites. Um, it just hits all the metalcore points that I want when I listen to this kind of music. Echo builds beautifully, really peaks in the chorus, which is just gorgeous. And I think, like you say, the, um, Fighting Gravity, you just hear those cleans really, really sore, and it's just gorgeous. And then kind of it just ends lovely and it is a really really nice way to wrap up the album I mean if you look at it as an album every single song on here could be a single which I guess is why it makes sense to release it as a couple of different EPs Um, I think Levy and Bloom are my two favourites still um, even though we heard them quite early on I think where it's lacking as an album is because we've already heard so much of it in different intervals to go back and listen to it all in one go you've kind of already heard yeah. a lot of it so there's no surprises and, like, and it was released in, in like track list order that's as well, what I was going to say I felt so like if they had jumped enough, the order you've got to wait until the end until you've got something new yeah because I saw a lot of people on, online were a bit mad when they announced it as an album they were like uh, people felt a bit cheated but I just thought like and I, but I think it's enforced by the fact that it's just in order that you feel like you're just listening to three EPs back to back in a way, but I get exactly why they've done it. It's so that everyone pays attention to every song, and you, because of the the way that music's consumed nowadays, a lot of it's through streaming. Mm-hmm. More people are likely to listen to three singles than they are a whole album. I think this will There's, be a model that people follow, though, because we've yeah, been talking about them all year. Yeah, I think a lot of people do this. I mean. Look at all the, look at all the artists that you see at the top of the charts, like the pop artists. They don't really release albums often. They just release single after single after single, and that's because that's what gets into playlists. That's what gets all your plays and gets you out there a bit more. So I, I understand exactly why they've done it, but I feel like it makes put it this way. I think this would have been a lot of people's a lot higher on some people's album of the year list if it was released just as an album. Yeah, agreed. But this is where. You two had listened to them previously. Mm. I hadn't. And so for what they've done, it's catered to me absolutely perfectly. Because this time last year, I don't think... You could probably play one or two of their bigger songs and I'd recognise riffs. Mm. Off the back of this and what they've done this year, I'm now a fan. And I'm really gassed to see them next year at Downhill Festival. Obsolete for me has made it onto like my shortlist when I was like getting down to Song of the Year. Obsolete was up there. And whether it is 
on my song of the year. You'd have to listen to the awards. But for what they've done and how they've kind of brought these EPs out this year and scattered it throughout, they've very much been in the forefront of what I've listened to. And so getting new listeners in, mm. perfect. So for me, it was really, really well and it was digestible and great to get through and a great introduction to this band. And like I think you'd mentioned previously, Alex, that you felt like these EPs that were getting released were similar to, was it Restoring Force as like some of their best work? I think now now it's out as a whole thing. This is probably their best. I was going to say, I know I sound really negative then. Mm. Um, I was more talking about like the way music's consumed rather yeah, than mm. the album. But... This is their best album. Yeah. I yeah, think. yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was, it was just that people were had that sort of, when you first look at it as an album, you're like, well, I've heard the first six songs. I felt the same with the Nothing Nowhere album at the start of this year, because some of those singles had been out, maybe because of the pandemic, for, for so long already. Like, like I think six or seven of them were singles already, yeah. that most of the album I'd already heard, and as an album it was underwhelming. It's the same kind of feeling with this one. Yeah, that is. It's not that it's a bad album or that the songs aren't good. It's just I've already heard them all. Yeah, I wonder how it would have fared if they had just mixed up the track listing a little bit, but that's like the only critique I have because this. It's an incredible album. I this, love this. This is like redefined them because a lot of people will think of Restoring Force when you first say My Men, and now I th- hopefully people will think of this instead. Um, and yeah, we've been talking about them all year, whereas a lot of bands. Think about the bands that we've reviewed back in February. I can't even remember all of the albums yeah. we talked about. Let's get them at the forefront. Pretty much. God. Most months. I might do the stats and see how many episodes they've appeared. But it's probably <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Great and, album. And, and that's exactly why that strategy does work in some yeah. cases. Well, we've seen loads of EPs this year. Like, more than... And I don't know whether that's just a result of the pandemic, but... I mean, essentially four here. Because yeah. Amity then did Static Dress and then... Give my cement the new. Maybe it's the way forward. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll discuss at some point. Well, and and then (laughs) it was it was bring these plan as well, wasn't it? They wanted to do four in a year. Obviously, it sort of I think it just got a bit away from them, but seems the way people are people are going. Looking at next year's releases, we've got a lot to look forward to. Twin Atlantic will release Transparency on the seventh of January. On the fourteenth. Fit for an autopsy release, Oh What the Future Holds, and Under Oath will release Voyeurist. Moving into February, Korn released Requiem. Uh, Cannibal Corpse's Corpse Grinder will release a self-titled solo album, and As It Is will release I Went to Hell and Back. On the 11th of February, Frank Turner will release FTHC, and Slipknot's new album is expected in the first, sometime in the first quarter. What are you guys most excited for there? Or was it Slipknot? The obvious answer is Slipknot and Korn. Um... The corner album would be interesting to hear because I believe they still had Fieldy record the bass parts for it. I enjoyed the new single, so it was always interesting to hear where they go. And it's Slipknot, and I love them, and they're one of my favourite bands. So, of course, I'm excited for that. I like Slipknot too. <laughs> um, also, yeah, uh, for me, sorry to re- just repeat bands, but I've only listened to Corn kind of recently for this podcast. And yeah, I really enjoyed their new single, so... Ears open for that. Yeah, Slipknot and Corn, I'm excited, what can I say? <laughs> Duh. We are basic people here. Gig talk time. Time to talk about gigs. The gig time. Who wants to go first? We've all, see, we've all seen something different this month. None, nothing together, that's no. weird. Ooh, how strange. <laughs> well, I've been to two gigs, but for the same band. 
Enter Shikari. Um, start off at Alexandra Palace in London. Um, amazing. The the production was awesome. They had they used like the walls as well as like the actual usual stage lights, um, which just created a bit of an atmosphere, kind of like immersive. Like yeah, this. it was it was really immersive. It kind of because it's it made it kind of three D rather than just being the stage and the screen and stuff. There was things along the side. They did like a countdown to launch at the start. Um, it was just so much fun. And then I saw them a week later in Bristol um, for a completely different experience, a much smaller room. Um, Ali Pali is obviously about 10,500 capacity. Bristol O2 Academy is about 1,500. So completely different vibe. They didn't have the same kind of production, but they were still... I guess it's just nice to have to, a completely different experience at two different gigs on the same tour. Um, to be so much closer to the band and seeing their kind of reactions to the crowd reacting to them was mm. really nice as well. I've seen the videos you kind of sent to us, I think it was during that night or the next day, especially off that Ali Pali one. The lighting looked absolutely incredible. It was phenomenal. So Some of the best I've seen. I remember when we saw Bring Me this year and their lighting was absolutely fantastic. It looked like on par with that, like some incredible stadium level kind of things here. Yeah, I, th I think it was similar, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Very different. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, had you always planned to go to two dates? Yeah, I think um, I'd originally planned to go to the a Bristol album release show in like 2009, well, like the start of 2020, I think, when they released their mm -hmm. latest album. Um, that got cancelled. Um, so when they announced the new tour, I thought, well, let's, let's go to two of them. Because I thought as well, it's going to be a completely different experience of both, for starters. Um, and I was kind of in that we were in the middle of the lockdown when they announced it as well so it's kind of like let's just buy all of the tickets for all of the gigs Yeah. so yeah the, the plan was always to go to two for, for quite a few reasons that's great it couldn't have worked out better as well to get like such different experiences mm. did you prefer one of them? were they very different experiences? I, was there one you tend both, to lean to? they were both great for their own reasons obviously there's the production at Ali Pali but I always love just the feeling of seeing a big band in a venue that's probably a bit too small for them. So I, I preferred the Bristol one. Nice. I've just remembered some stuff I forgot to mention about Shikari. Firstly, Dinosaur Pilot were meant to be supporting, and it was only about five minutes before they were due to come on that we realised Dinosaur Pilot aren't here. They had a replacement in, and it was none other than Trash Boat. Um, so I got to see Trash Boat for a fourth time in four months, um, which was great. They, they smashed it. Um, they said they got the phone call at about 11am, that day, and then they, they rushed over to London to set up wow. and play the biggest show of their career. You, so you wouldn't turn down that phone call. I'd, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult <laughs> one to turn down, isn't it? Wow. Um, and also Shikari's bassist, Chris, had COVID, so they had to kind of replace him in a way last minute. They used um, the, the his track that they recorded from one of their warm-up shows before the tour, um, and they also instilled his essence into the keyboard that they had on stage. Um, they basically just made a soundboard out of his voice, oh, which, which at various points of the show just got a little little press. That's you can you can see more of that in the vlog that will be up on the channel. Coming soon. I saw Malevolence in Oxford with support from Your Demise. There were other bands supporting, but I didn't get there in time, unfortunately. But um, it was just incredible to walk into a gig at Oxford and have it just be such such a buzz in the air. The whole night just felt like a party. It felt like being at a 
great big hardcore house party. Like people were up on the like seats on the side, like fucking giving it large while Malevolence were playing. Um, it just felt really. It was just like such a laid back vibe as well. Like I think all the bands set up and took down their own gear as well. So like you had just had your demise on stage for like ten minutes before they started just sound checking themselves, which you don't always experience at gigs like that. Mm. And then they didn't even like walk off and then come back on. They were just there sound checking. Then just it was just like oh shit, okay, we're going now. Um, I just couldn't believe I've seen your demise twice this year because I got into them after they broke up. So I just sort of it was just one of those bands I thought I would never see. That's sad. Yeah, but they were incredible and. Um, yeah, malevolence was just was just brutal. It was just rowdy, but like a fun way. I had an extremely busy month at work and therefore could not make it to any gigs in person. However, I bought a ticket and I watched the Architects live stream of For Those That Wish To Exist with the Parallax Orchestra. Uh, they played the entire album in full, just went song after song after song, and it was absolutely incredible. Um, I hope they release this as a, as a DVD, and I would love to see like an album release of this as well because it added a whole other layer to the songs. Some stuff like Impermanence, uh, just little extra percussion was incredible. Black Lungs, just beautiful. And some of the transitions where you have like faint guitar noises or feedback to like open up a song, they used the orchestra for that. And it just added a whole different vibe and it was something absolutely incredible. And I think it once again stills in the fact that so many people want architects to tour with an orchestra and do like what Bring Me did. Um, and they've always said no to it. I think they will. There's going to be enough pressure now for There's them to do it. There's so much demand, I think. The live stream was absolutely incredible. And, I mean, if they do it, it will sell out. Was there a song that stood out? Uh, Impermanence and Little Wonder. I think with, with the orchestra, they really stood out strong. I think I was a bit numb to the Animals one because they released that a few months ago. And I think I've watched that a couple of times, to be honest. And it is still incredible. Absolutely love it. But Impermanence and Little Wonder really did stand out as some very, very strong tracks with the full orchestra. And it was quite funny because it would obviously cut to the orchestra at times and you can see some of them kind of like headbanging a little bit along while playing a violin. And that was just quite funny to see. But absolutely incredible show. It's interesting because it, it brings to mind a discussion that we had at the start of this year about whether or not virtual gigs or live stream gigs should carry on post pandemic do you feel like this was a unique experience that was yeah i i i think i said back then that i want them to carry on and this was just a strong echoing of that because i literally i think i crashed home after work i was still absolutely wide and awake at about 11 o'clock at night and i had my ticket to watch it and they'd extended it so i've watched it twice now um and I just literally just lay on my bed and just watched it just to kind of like unwind and ended up just being absolutely enthralled and just captivated by watching it. So I think these are still something fantastic to do, whether it becomes, I mean, this was a different kind of thing and where you got stuff like the Trivium one, I think the Code Orange one where they were just filming it them at a venue. Maybe we end up getting more of, they'll film a headline set, so maybe like Enter Shikari would film a headline set like they did at Ali Pali and one day they'll release that as a live stream online for people to buy tickets for. Whether it becomes like a bit of a merge between the live stream and then like the real gig format, maybe the way forward for it. Yeah. But I still want to see this. Isn't it? Yeah, or pre-recorded. But I think this is still just putting the fact out there that 
people still have demand for this. I think there are a lot of tickets sold for it and that they do need to continue. Yeah, because the way that you've described Shikari, Dan, feels like for fans that couldn't be there, Ali Pali should have been a gig that was streamed. Yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, for one thing, Ali Pali, there's there's no seating there. So you've already... There's already people that maybe need some more accessibility that can't go to the gig or feel like they can't go to the gig at least yeah. who would appreciate some form of video or, or a, a live stream like this. Especially with that kind of production. Yeah. And there's also fans that might be of another be from another country that like Shikari aren't going to play a show that size in a different country are they because they're, they're not going to be as big as they are in the UK so to, to experience that then a live stream would be the way forward I guess yeah I'd just like to see more of it I think like album release shows or like the, the biggest show of the tour or something or Things like that, where it's special production. That... Mm. And there's there's basically, for the, from the artist's perspective, there's no limit on how many tickets they can sell as well. There's no capacity, yeah. I guess, on a live stream. Then I guess you could argue that maybe it takes away from the attraction of it, like knowing that going to Ali Pali for that is a one-off thing. Yeah, you know, that, that I guess is a, Maybe bands might want to protect that as an asset, but I, don't, I think the possibility of selling virtual tickets for live streams outweighs that argument for me. Like... But yeah, great discussion, boys. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I suppose it's that or this time, isn't it? That or this, this or that. That or this, this or that. That or this, this or that. That or this. I'm already thinking this is the finale. The last one. It better be a good one then. Today, big sign there says otherwise. <laughs> Today we go into the that or this verse. <laughs> We're going to just do a that or this for every that or this we've done. <laughs> just why not? I like it. Is this a that or this squared? It's a that or this or that. Or this? To start off with. What so about this? we've done 12 that or thises. So I've got four triple threat matches, which will then filter into uh, semi-finals. And then we'll figure out what the best one was. And then I never have to think about it again. <laughs> Is this basically just the customer feedback questionnaire? Pretty much. In the form yeah. of a, a that or this? Yes. <laughs> so you leave leave it in the comments what your favourite that or this was from the past year. Or if you want it to carry on. Actually, no, don't say that. <laughs> so first up, we had the Christmas fights, the debut versus sophomore albums, or the Valentine's Day love songs. I know it was the first one, but the Christmas fights one was was very fun. Yeah, no, I think I'll go with that as well. It was yeah, really enjoyable. Like Cliff Richard, and like Paul McCartney, Alton John, all squaring up to each other. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> you could sell up for virtual tickets on pay per view. <laughs> then we had "Give Up an Album Forever," "Reviving a Band," or the Brit Awards. I'll go with "Giving Up an Album Forever" because it really makes you kind of delve into each band. I think and really figure out what you love about them and what you don't and it just i don't know provokes that kind of th- thought yeah i agree it it made us kind of think a bit more and and have to sacrifice something that we loved agreed i like, I like that one as well demented little mind <laughs> <laughs> then we had the five-a-side football tournament <laughs> The uh, iconic British summer anthems or debut versus latest albums. 
I think it's got to be the Five Aside. <laughs> it was just so funny. Debut versus latest albums is good, but Five Aside is just. It was just so silly. Five Aside is fun. Most fun you had created out of this? The Five Aside? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I like that one. Then we had Back to School Anthems, The Halloween Icons, or The Sitcom Themes. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go for Sitcom Themes. Yeah, that was quite fun, to be fair. Just yeah. kind of going through all the different yeah. ones. I'll go with that. Purely for me, listing Match of the Day as a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so semi-final one. We had The Christmas Fights or Giving Up an Album Forever. Christmas, Christmas fights. fights. Christmas Fights, yeah. I think, I think there's two I know where strong contenders I know where this is going. Do I even need to ask? Five Aside versus sitcoms. Five Aside. <laughs> now the big finale. Right. Oh, Did you prefer the Christmas fights or the Five Aside football tournament? Five Aside. Christmas fights. Alex. Oh no. Does it? No. Does that mean? Does that mean that or this ends with no answer? Today's discussion. Let's expose our Spotify wrapped. Where to start? Let's let's start at the, at the beginning. How many minutes did we have? Uh, 42,047. 44,489. I hit 47,541. Well done, Dan. Congratulations. Um, do I win for that? Am I really a winner for that? I would say, yeah. Am I not a loser? No. I mean, collectively, we're all part of the highest 92%. No, we listen to more than 92% of the rest of the UK. So we're in the top 8% of music listeners. Yeah, that feels good, doesn't it? I'll take that. That's good. I'm proud. Have you got the stat for how many different artists you listen to? I listen to 650 different artists. A bit less for me. Across, across 73 genres. I don't have my genres, but 359 artists. I'm pretty happy with that. I've got 702 artists Jesus. across 83 genres. Wow. Although my top genres were indie pop, emo rap, modern alternative rock, metalcore, and number one, of course, was pop punk. Wow. Mine went uh, indie folk, modern alt rock, new metal, pop punk, and then metalcore at the top. Mine just had varying different types of metalcore. <laughs> <laughs> it was like metalcore, what, what, British what metalcore. What are the different names of metalcore? It was like, it was like metalcore, then there was like British metalcore, then there was alternative metalcore, and I was like... The three genders. What the fuck's the difference? Were you any top listeners for any certain bands? All right, this is where I have to... Ex- have to uh, this is where you get exposed is, now. Is, are we just going to talk about our, our top five artists? We will do. This is where I have to come clean about something. My own music was, I was my top listener for my CM Junk music. And he was, he. (laughs) (laughs) My My top artist was CM Junk. Your top artist was you? Yep. Hey, look, I like my music and I'm proud that it's on Spotify. Am I allowed to listen to it? Did any of them creep into your top songs? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all five spots, actually. So go from four to also, five, five to one. Also, I listen to it to sometimes go to sleep as well. So there's that. You see, that's that's where my top five artists has been a bit skewed by the fact that I just stick, like, not quite lo-fi, but kind of emo rap and like yeah. softer playlists on when I go to sleep. So I've got Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties as my number five most listened to artist. Um, Lontalius is number three, and Silly is number two. 
I've not actually listened to them that much, like, day to day, but just because I stick the playlist on before I go to sleep, and yeah. it just continues playing for, like, up to eight hours while I'm asleep. I guess that's kind of got them up there. Yeah. Then up the other spots for me. Number four was Biffy Clyro. Lovely. And number one, any guesses? Sleep Token. Sleep Token. Very nice. Your top five, Jeff? Uh, so number five was Tala. Number four, Slipknot. Number three, Beartooth. Two, Architects. And number one, Sleeps. And you were like in like the top 5% or 0.5% or something? 0.05% of Sleeps listeners. So... Yeah, I was the top 0.5% for Sleep Token listeners. I was the top 0.01% of CM Drunk fans. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, your, what are your top five artists, Ali? Uh, number five, Holden Absence. Number four is embarrassing, but it was Bo Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, Sleep Token. Number two, Loathe. And then number one, the magnificent CM Drunk. What an artist he what is. What a guy. <laughs> Dan, have you got your, your top songs? Um, I do have my top songs. Um, it follows along, follows along pretty much with my top artists. Um, I've got number five, Absent Mind by Sully. Number four, Faint by Lontalius. Number three, Someone Will Be There For You by Lontalius. And then we've got number two, The Love You Want by Sleep Token. And number one, Alkaline. Massive tune. Big songs. Alex? It's just five CM Junk songs. <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? It does matter. Tell them. Be proud of it. Your favourite. What your favourite? CM Junk songs. Uh, your favourite songs that you five, made. Five, Drifting. Four, The Swan. Three, Caramir. Two, was Too Sweet. And then number one was The Pearl. Lovely. Which is one of my favourite songs that I've written. So. I've got something to confess as well. It's not necessarily a confession. It's not, it's not me that's done it. Um, I've got a Google speaker. In, in the kitchen in my house. Well, my parents' house. I live with them. Um, and my mum uses that speaker more than anyone else, and it's linked to my Spotify account. Oh, dear. Right. So my number one most listened to playlist was This Is Culture Club. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And uh, uh, when Spotify did the, like those little jokes where it's like, oh, you're opening credits theme and things like that, it said, the song playing as you face off against your rival dance crew is Time by Culture Club. <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. I, I'm impressed, to be fair, they didn't sneak into my top five artists. I think I've got away with that one. <laughs> got off lightly with that. This year. If I ever don't post my Spotify raps on Instagram, you know why. That'd be it. Your top five songs, Jay? Uh, there'll be a common theme here. You ready? Enlightenment by While She Sleeps. Systematic by While She Sleeps. Sleep Society by While She Sleeps. Nervous by While She Sleeps. You All You Need by While She Sleeps. What? Do you, do Consistency. You guys, do you guys have your audio aura? Oh, oh. let me find it. <laughs> Mine is apparently calm and wistful. Mine was silly and angst. <laughs> I love that one. I'm in a silly angsty mood. How can I, how can I find it now? No, Ale- ignore Alex. He's being silly and angsty again. <laughs> James is going to be like anger and despair. Is this, is this my vibe check? Is it? So my audio aura is. We're seeing this in real time. My top music moods are bold and nervous. Is that is that it? I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'll take that. That's number two of my favourite songs. And you just shaved your head today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, bold. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did a haircut today, and I am bold. Yeah, fair play, Spotify. That's spot on. They've got me absolutely nailed down here. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Were you confident when you shaved your head? Or 
Were you a bit nervous? I was a bit nervous. Well, there we go. Thanks, Spotify Wrapped. There's no structure to that debate whatsoever. Nope. No. Sort of I, I, hope, I, hope you were, I hope you followed along at home. All right, let's recommend an album then. Jay? I'm going to go with an album I think that didn't get enough recognition last year in 2020, and that is Suicide Silence Become the Hunter. Previous album for that, we won't mention too much about because it was a bit shit. Um, but I feel like they came back a lot stronger. Lead singles like Love Me to Death, Two Step, I think, were much, much better, much more towards what you'd expect from Suicide Silence. And I think it's a very, very good album. So yeah, Become the Hunter. I thought it's December, it's winter. I thought I'd pick something a little bit calmer, a bit somber. And then I saw Enter Shikari twice and decided that I just had to pick one of their albums. <laughs> so I'm going for the album that potentially radicalised me politically as a teenager. And that is a flash flood of colour. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think of it because I don't think either of you have delved that much into Shikari before. Um, this has got not just guitar on it but a lot of kind of drum and bass and techno techno vibes as well so i'm expecting some criticism and some some good stuff as well shall be interesting alex i'm going to recommend fail you again by can't swim for two reasons one it's a great album and two that's what i'm going to be doing with my resolutions failing them again <laughs> wow so uh, there we go three very different albums and here's James with the outro. <laughs> uh, so this podcast is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as YouTube. So you have the option to download every podcast we've done so far on the go or watch along with Alex's wonderful graphics that he makes. Be sure to hit follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a lovely five-star review because you're thoroughly enjoying listening to us. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel because alongside the podcast, we've got all kinds of other videos. We've got some wonderful tier lists coming out beginner's guides, some new video essays that we're working on and some wonderful vlogs that we have going to our live gigs. So be sure to go subscribe and check out all those videos. And why not let us know something funny about your Spotify wrapped? Tell us your mood aura in the comments below. <laughs> By the way, guys, you've got to wash those t-shirts on a cold wash below 30 degrees and do not tumble dry them. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.